That's our first man. What language are we talking about? Ukrainian. That was the Ukrainian national anthem. Oh, look at that. First international song. I love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, perfect. Carlito. Manny. We've got another podcast and we've got two very special guests. On my left, I have Orest from Polar Bear Geothermal Systems. And on my right, I have my name is Roman Dechka and I'm also with Polar Bear. Perfect. So we are going to be talking about geothermal heating. How do we call this? Geothermal heating, cooling? Yes, it's both of those. But more specifically, we're here to talk about water source geothermal using water source heat pumps. I'm excited. I can't wait. But I've got a question for you guys before we begin. Dum, dum, dum. (laughs) (laughs) Can you guys tell me when was geothermal first discovered and what country... If you can, tell me the city. Geneva. <laughs> You're wrong. Wrong. <laughs> it's, that's, not, that's not from my information. Geneva? What year? Uh, it was in the 80s. No, it was in like... Uh, Sorry, 1842. You guys yeah. are both... This is 1904. An Italian scientist, Piero Ginomario, whatever his name is, in Tuscany. <laughs> In Tuscany. That's well, I've a- recently read an article where they talk about how they used the lake in Geneva as for the first water source heat pump. Are the Italians taking the credit here? Well, What's going hang on a second. Geothermal can be both, right? It can be heat extracted or cold extracted from the ground without water, right? It you could be a different a lake, type or of... You can use the ground. That's but right. You're still using... The first time the water source heat pump was used was in a lake in Geneva. By whom? I don't remember the name of this gentleman. Well, the then Italian we're going to have to stick with the facts. <laughs> it it could have been, you know, they border Italy. It could have been an Italian losing, using that Lake Geneva. Okay, so the idea is that it was actually first used in the U.S. in 1922. It's been we don't know. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just sharing information that it's I crazy found. how this stuff has been around for such a long time and so many people have no idea. What it well, is. it's really funny because there's a third and final point attached to this that when did it become popular in North America? There was a huge global crisis to actually act on this. I would say you 30, guys were not born. Thirty years ago? No, a little longer. Nineteen seventy-three during the oil embargo. So once that happened, all of a sudden the world started working together to try to figure out renewable sources, and geothermal became popular again. That makes sense. That okay, makes sense. so Excellent. that's our opening Excellent. question. That's all I want to say. But now let's get into polar bear. I met this gentleman. His name is Dennis Campbell. At the home show, this man has been manufacturing heat pumps for the last 30 years. He's been building these systems, installing these systems. He's now moved on to commercial projects, most recent one being a four-story building, 60,000 square feet per story. They use 15-ton water source heat pumps. They have 18 of them, and those are connected to 73 boreholes in the parking lot that are 730 feet deep wow and there is no gas whatsoever in this building the whole building is a retrofit they got rid of all the rooftop units on the roof the only thing that uses natural gas in the building now is a kitchen range 
one kitchen range in their um, in the banquet hall. In the banquet hall. That's amazing. I want to get into all this stuff, but okay. So just for our listeners' sake that are not too familiar, because I'm actually one of them, I only know certain things about geothermal that are probably incorrect. What exactly is geothermal? You guys explain the layman's version of what geothermal is. I'm gonna take it from here because take it. I actually know less than Roman. I'm going to give Roman's, Roman's the guy here. He's, he's the genius behind all of this. Okay. And he's, he's closely being mentored by Dennis, our president. Nice. So the president of Polar Bear is Dennis Campbell. Okay. He's, he's been doing it for a long time. And he found the universe put us together. And now we're learning under him. It's been over, just over a year now. We're not here to be the best or the professionals or the know-it-alls. We're learning ourselves. And we're here to also spread the word to educate Everyone, everyone in the construction, we love the construction biz about, biz about this because you know what? Net zero is coming. Yes. And if you're a better builder, you read, you read articles, you read books, and you know about this. What is geothermal in, in layman's terms? We are taking heat and moving it to another place. You're taking heat from where? From, let's say you're taking heat from a building and you're putting it into the ground. And you can take heat from the ground and put it into a building. What does geo stand for? It's the earth. The earth absorbs the sun energy and it's stored six feet underneath. The temperature is stable all year round. It never freezes. Six Doesn't feet under. matter. Six foot under, we pass the frost line. We have a stable temperature. So what is that temperature? It's here in Canada, it's about 50 Fahrenheit. I was understanding it was 60 for geothermal, but I guess. Uh, these systems varies. will work in solid ice. It's not about the temperature of the earth. It's about being able to take away energy. So even if there's ice, we can still lower the temperature of the ice by taking energy away. So wow. you're drilling a hole into the earth. And, and you guys were saying with this particular building, they had drilled uh, 600, 700 feet? 730 feet. 730 feet they drilled down. Now, what's the, what determines the depth that you drill? It's not about the depth. It's about the surface area of the pipe that you lay in there. Got so it. Because the building is so big, they needed so many of these holes. Mm-hmm. Commercial building, they don't have the horizontal space to do this. They have to go down. If you have the horizontal space all day, you could lay fields of this stuff. It still work. But vertical is better than horizontal, right? Because you can you can put too much heat into the ground and then not be able to take that back out of the ground. Or is it about spacing it? That can happen, and you need to plan for that. There's such thing as a heat rejection. You can plan for this happening in the future, and then if it starts to become an issue, you can pull the heat and put it elsewhere. Or you said that you drill a hole. And you're taking the heat from the building and putting it into the ground and vice versa? Yes. I'm lost right now. So if, if, it's, a, if it's a winter time, yeah. there's heat in the ground? Yes. Enough to heat the structure? Yes. More than enough to heat the structure? Yes. What are you taking out of water? You're taking water, right? You mean the solution? In the y- yeah, what is it? it what's it, what's going on? It's an alcohol solution. It has isopropyl in there. And then you're using the energy of the, the length of the mass of the pipe or whatever is in the ground. Is it a pipe? It's a pipe. Yes, it's a high-density polyethylene pipe. Fusion welded. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're, 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 they're usually in, in, in rows. Big rows of it. There's high-density, medium, and low-density. You use high-density for geothermal. Okay, so in Canada, a lot of places we can't go vertical in many places because of stone. A lot of times people will go horizontal. So they'll go under the ground like 8 or 10 feet and then... There'll just be rows and rows of it interconnected. Most of the time, that's the way it's done. 
but it's, it's not really a problem. If you have a professional driller, they'll go through stone. The main company for geothermal drilling in the city, Geosource, they have over 10 rigs right now and they're booked for the next two years. Is that affordable to do it that way? For commercial buildings, it makes absolute sense because there's payback period of like five to seven years. And this is a building most people plan to own for many, many decades. And they're going to see so much savings in the long run. See, that's what I was taught, like in the beginning of my construction days, is that it takes 20, 25 years for a payback on a residential platform. It may that's, even that's never, it may even never pay back. Maybe. That's what I heard. Also, okay, yeah. on a residential. On a residential. Look, we have to be very clear here. In this conversation, we're not going to be talking about a home on Spadina and Queen of Street, course. for example. Yeah. You know, you're not going to. You can vertical drill and install a heat pump in there, but you're really going to have to pay a lot of money and really want that. And those people exist. I've seen it. I've been in houses, tiny houses in the city, and they have vertical drilling in their parking in, in their driveway. They got three holes in their driveway and they're pulling energy. It's good for them. Where Polar Bear has really excelled is outside the city. Caledon, where your, your heating is either electric or propane. Okay, so what does this cost compared to using a traditional way of heating a building structure, like a commercial? What is it? I mean, how, how, are we twice, three times, four times? How much? You mean utility-wise? Uh, how much you're paying? Not utility. I want to factor in the initial setup. If you go into a, a current building, take the same buildings, and you want to set up a traditional boiler, forced air, or whatever it is, compared to a geothermal, geothermal is more expensive, correct? It's usually because of the loop. So there's three parts to a geothermal system. You have, you have your earth loop, that's your big heat exchanger. That's a big chunk of the cost. And that's usually what puts it over all the other sources of energy. Then you have the heat pump in the middle and that's connected to your earth loop. And then you have a distribution system within the building. It could be hydronic, it could be forced air, whatever you have. You could use the same distribution system in all those cases. If you have a furnace, you have a boiler, you have a heat pump, it doesn't matter. And you still have the heat pump, it does both. It does all your heating, it does all your cooling. There's triple function systems that can do your pool, it can do your radiant driveway, it can do your forced air, it can do everything. It's all about the, the heat pump model you get. You know, maybe it'd be pricey, maybe you're paying for a $15,000 heat pump, but this thing's there for the next 20, 25 years and it's doing everything. But the big price, the big investment is the loop. And it's gonna hurt you in the beginning. But that loop is, if it's, usually, if it's good for the first five years, chances are it's good for the next 400 years. It doesn't wow. deteriorate it. It won't fall apart. No. Nothing at all. Once no. it's done, it's no. done. Yeah. How expensive can it get to do that loop? For a house of, say, two to 3,000 square feet, it's around 20,000 if it's horizontal, all in with the, with the tie-in and just everything. The, just the, the loop. Just That's the loop. And then you have your And that's pump. because you need, you need excavation. You need somebody who knows what they're doing to fuse this properly, to lay it properly. Okay, so I'm used to, we can, for argument's sake, let's talk resi, 3,500 square foot house. Your HVAC package is going to be anywhere from 40,000 around there. 40,000 up, yeah. New, new HVAC package with uh, the AC and everything like that. If you were to do a boiler and radiant, it's double, right? And now if you're going to do geothermal, what is it? We're going from 40 to 80 to what? Learning from Dennis, his philosophy and how he got a lot of clients, he sells his geo, geo systems for just a little bit more than a typical HVAC system. He's been proving a point for the last 30 years. How is he able to do that? Because 
Look, the, the client wants geothermal. That's it. You're not going to stop them. You're not going to argue with them. They're sold. And geothermal clients, they do their research. They've been learning about it for, on average, they spend one to one and a half years studying this before they begin shopping for a contractor. Why do people want to use geothermal that already aren't aware of it or know anything about it? Well, first of all, you, there's, a, there's a certain level of comfort that you get with it. It's hard to explain. You need, it's like walking into a house that has radiant heating. Well, there's a difference. There's you can a totally massive feel difference. It. You can a, feel it in the air. You can feel it in the house. It just feels better. And with a geo, with a geo house, same thing. You're getting that benefit. You get the benefit, and it's also you. You're using the earth. There's actually something really special when your home is connected to an earth loop. Okay. It's grounded. Totally. <laughs> uh, Try the veal. But at at, <laughs> at at the energy level, okay, we're coming to a point where. We're seeing the world changing really fast right now. For the first time in the in, in in my lifetime, I've never seen the planet shut down. So what I'm leading no, but what I'm leading to is we're we're gonna have to go green. You know the 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 planet is slowly Dying. failing and not keeping up. It's not able to rejuvenate itself fast enough. Just let's just say that. How much energy? Are we saving? Are we helping it? Is it green? Yes. Okay. I'll take, I'll take this one. I'll take this one because uh, well, on Friday, we were doing some heavy, heavy research. Got and it. we came across a company in Toronto, N-Wave. And they're doing some really cool stuff. That sounds familiar. They're located right beside the Sky Dome and the Steam Whistle Factory. They're using lake, a lake loop. We, guys, we have Lake Ontario. Yeah. Okay, we, we have Lake Ontario, the five great lakes. We're actually located in a really cool spot in North America. And one of their clients, I believe it's the TD building, they retrofitted. We need to talk about commercial buildings if we want to talk about savings. Because in, in the home, it just doesn't make sense. Okay. So let's leave the residents for now. Especially in let's the go city. Commercial. It okay. makes sense up north. We've got to talk about bigger stuff because then the numbers make sense. The, the TD Tower retrofitted their, their cooling system. So they eliminated the cooling system in buildings. They use chillers and cooling towers. It uses a massive amount of electricity and a massive amount of water. By switching it to this lake loop, they save, they said, 250 Olympic-sized swimming pools worth of water every year. Well, because it's not being wasted now, right? Because it's, yes. a, it's, a well, it's a closed loop, so there's no actual water coming in or out. It's just about cooling it. Yes. Taking the heat out of the building, extracting that, making it back to the 50 or 60 degrees, and then bringing it back in to make new energy, right? Yes. yes. Okay. Before you move forward, hang on a sec. So what's the website? Because everyone's going to want to check this out. So what is the website? Polarbeargeo.com. Polarbeargeo.com. That's right. Is there a social handle? Polarbeargeo on Instagram. You got it. Any other socials? We have a really <laughs> nice video about the commercial building. Yeah, you guys sent us the link, which that's was really on, cool. That's on YouTube if people want to check it out. So you can go Our to channel is Polar Bear Geo. Perfect. And an email? Info at Polar Bear Geo. Look at that. Everything's Polar Bear Geo. Polar Bear Geo. All right, perfect. <laughs> you don't want a song. Well, it makes sense because at 50 <laughs> degrees. <laughs> okay, so back to the TD building. They were spending a, sh a lot of money on cooling the building. But they only did the geothermal just for cooling, or they're not going to bother doing it for heating? I'm sure they can use it for both. I'm not going to speak about it no, too much. No, you can. Yeah. I know the cooling details. I'm just asking a question it, because... Let me put it simply. This company, N-Wave, they've contracted with the uh, City of Toronto Water Supply, and they're selling 
the energy and the domestic water supply coming from the lake to buildings in the downtown core. So the water's there anyway, and it's still flowing wherever it's going to go for domestic use. And they're allowing buildings to pull energy out of it. So yeah. they're allowing buildings to connect to it and use it for heating or cooling, whether they have a geothermal system or they want to do a strict cooling directly with the water. They're selling energy in the water. You guys got to back it up because, listen, this is the first podcast that I don't know shit about what we're <laughs> what? talking about. Man, just, I just know it from afar, right? I just know that it's really expensive. And just like you guys confirmed it, I will never see the return or a client of mine on a resi platform will never see the return. So I never dove into it. I'm not in commercial. I, I pay attention right. to commercial. No, you're, you're right. You always so, say that. Okay. But look at people up north, people that don't have that. That makes gas. a lot of sense to do it up there. And I agree with everybody here that we need to be doing things like this. And it should be more economical for the resi. It totally, I, I complete forced air is the dumbest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> forced air is a North American thing and it actually sucks. It does. It's a, it's a bad system to heat and cool a house. That's my opinion. Okay. It's, it's affordable. My point is I need to be told, okay, you guys need to explain to me yeah. how does the hot or the cold come out of that loop? I need to know how you got cold water from Lake Ontario. It is fucking cold in summertime yes you and guys heard of air source heat pumps no like ac kind of looking okay yeah pumps. yeah it's the same idea instead of instead of using the air we're, we're using the water which is a far better conductor so as the water travels through it it's no around it around it so instead of having a condenser outside you have the loop the loop is your condenser. It's like a rad underwater. Got it. Okay, now I get it. So it's like putting, it's like submerging a rad. You know how a rad has, you know, corrugations up yes. and down. So basically, either you're going to go vertical, or you're going to horizontal, and you're basically putting a rad in cold water, and then you're figuring out how to extract it. Am I right? Kind of, kind of. Okay, Manny. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to give him my best shot. I don't know why shot. I'm listening to him. I, I'll, give it, I'll give him my best shot because when I started learning about this, it was blowing my mind. Okay. I was actually getting really frustrated in class. Okay, go I, ahead. I would leave. Because that's where I'm at right now, this man. This wouldn't let me sleep at night. <laughs> and I was trying to figure out go. how the hell, when, it, when, and just when am I going to start understanding this? Okay. Enlighten so, me, please. Look, we got to put the money thing aside. Money conversation needs to leave. Okay, forget, Gone. forget uh, about the money. Guys. You know what? You're right. Some things, sh money shouldn't yeah. come first. What and about the blue collar? I, I, no, no, no. <laughs> My point was is that some people can't afford to do this, but the people that can and make a difference in the world should. And it's it's not a we're not a competitor to natural gas. We can't. We're not competing with natural gas right now. We're competing with electricity and propane, 100%. We because know electricity is evil. Electricity, uh, that's a whole other talk. But if every car was electric, we'd have a big, big problem. We're still cheaper than natural gas. It's just the installation costs that really yes. gets people. Cheaper on the utility. If you look at a chart of how much you're paying on your utility, you look at a chart of efficiencies and you compare electric, you compare propane, natural gas oil everything geothermal is going to destroy everything it's, it is by far the greenest and by far the most efficient okay so please explain okay, i'm gonna i will continue do, do your best man i'll try to absorb okay, it okay guys i'm making notes. manny manny and carlito <laughs> mr Pav mr pavlovich i'm gonna i'm gonna, I'm gonna I'm, i love him I'm already gonna test, i'm gonna test your knowledge right now so when you have a traditional forced air system you have uh split ac which is made up of two two major components, correct? Yes. Which are? The outside compressor or whatever, yes. and, and the inside uh, coil, coil the whatever inside it coil. is. Yeah. Correct. 
So the inside coil, it's called the evaporator, it absorbs the heat using the refrigerant inside. So now, what does the outdoor compressor do? What is that big box outside doing? Sucks air in. No, it blows air out. Okay. What's cooling it? No. It, you are... That's good. I like this it, already. Okay. Your uh, refrigerator at home, it's a box. Yes. It's a box inside of a box. Right. You have a refrigerator inside of a home. Where, what happens? Why is it cold inside the refrigerator? Because I set it to two degrees. <laughs> but what, ha- what happens to the heat? Because there's no such thing as cold, right? But the heat comes to the back and then it gets dissipated yeah. just like it would on the outside. Yes. Cold so, is the absence of heat. So you're removing heat. You're removing heat. You're just moving the heat. Okay. And that's how you create energy. No, hold on a sec. No, you're hold getting on ahead sec. of them. You're getting ahead of them. So that heat in the back of your fridge, that's, and that's the heat from, that was inside the fridge. It is now outside the box. You've used the compressor and you've used the refrigeration cycle to remove heat. I get it. You're yeah. moving heat. Okay, I get it. You're removing heat. That, that, that's what is cold. What is cold? Cold is lack of heat. So we're, we are taking, extracting heat using refrigerant and moving it to another place. Your air conditioning system, the outside box called the condenser, that thing, if you put your hand on top of it, it's warm, right? Yeah. That's your heat from the house being removed. But when you're running an AC here in Toronto, it's 30 degrees Celsius outside. You're trying to cool the refrigerant using hot outside. Like you're dumping, you're dumping heat into heat. It's a lot of work. It's, it's difficult. Water source heat pumps and a ground loop. The ground now is how much colder. And it's consistent. It's and it's consistent. Colder. So we're taking, and physics 101, heat molecules go where? I didn't, I didn't do well in physics 101. Heat molecules move, move quick, and they want to move to somewhere where it's cold. Okay. Okay, when you open your fridge, why, do you, why does your mom always yell at you to close the fridge? Because you're allowing heat to go inside or cold to escape. That's right. Right? Okay. So, so using a ground loop, we're taking the heat that's inside of a building, and we're dumping it into something that's much more relatively colder. Okay. So we're using the earth as a heat, a heat sink. We're dumping the heat inside, and it just does... The one-on-one of this all is that it does a much, much better job than a traditional split AC condenser outside or a cooling tower. I think I got it. You need to think of the heat pump as a refrigerator. It's a massive refrigerator for your home. Interesting. Okay, so let's talk about the two seasons. We're in Canada, obviously, so there's hot and cold. So We just talked about cooling, essentially. Right. So we want to heat a building. Does it work the opposite? So there's a reversing valve inside a heat pump, and it allows the evaporator and the condenser to switch. So instead of removing energy from the home and dumping it into the earth on heating, you're removing from the earth and dumping into the home. <laughs> Yay. Yeah. So, so during the summer, we're pulling all the heat away and the water's doing all the work. That way we don't have any mass around our home or in the home or in the building. Right. And then during the winter, we're going to take that heat instead of putting it back into the ground. We're going to leave it in the building. Is that how we're talking? Because it's still looped in, right? So it's still going back into the ground. 
You're confusing me when they tell me one thing and then you say something. No, I'm trying to is figure it, this out. It, is I it, didn't understand what I was saying. This is normal, guys. Wait, this is normal. <laughs> I got the refrigerator we, thing. We can work through the this. The refrigerator <laughs> thing made sense to me and the AC made sense to me because I could put those two together. I can open up the door and I can go outside and see all that hot air coming out. I get it. So now and I that, understand. That so, entire cycle can be reversed. So, so it can totally be reversed for so heating. So instead of removing from inside the fridge and dumping to the outside... You can now collect outside the fridge and use it to heat the fridge. Mm -hmm. So you can take the heat outside of the building and you can dump it into the building. And in the buildings, when you're cooling the buildings, what are you using to move? You're moving air. Man, you're going to really be disappointed, but it's still a forced air system. But it's so much better for one reason. It, gas spits out heat at a really high temperature, a gas forced air system. Okay. A geothermal system spits out heat at a much lower temperature and it allows it to become a, a lot more consistent throughout the home before it shuts off. So it actually gives time for all your walls, all your floors to catch up. With gas, you're going to see a big difference between the floor and the ceiling. With the, the geothermal system, you're not going to see a difference. And there's no combustion happening in your home. So let's, <laughs> let's, let's go back a little because if... If we're having problems, I think some other people might. No, no, no. <laughs> Maybe they won't, man. Dude, I'm, I'm not a mechanical really guy. If people really want to learn everything about this, they need to dive deep and they need to do some Okay, so, so we understand that the, the water loop system will stay the same. In the seasons, we can switch it over. So that all stays the same. And then there's just a switch over from winter to summer. Did you know you can also use the same heat pump that's heating and cooling your home to do your domestic hot water? And in the summer, it's totally free. Yeah, guys. Okay, listen, <laughs> listen to this. A, po a polar bear heat pump has something called a de-superheater. A de-superheater. De-superheater. It's like a turbo. Okay. <laughs> and it heats the water for, for free. domestic water. For free. Because it's already made that Is energy. Is this a boiler? Are so you we do can heat Are it. you doing a tank? Are you doing a boiler? No. Oh. It's, a, it's a compressor. It's still the it's, heat, a, it's the, an extra little coil before you reach the other big coils. It's, it takes the hottest heat off the compressor right away, cycles it into your tank. So it's a coil that is connected to your tank in and out, in and out. I can and dumb it's it stealing. down. I can dumb it down. I can dumb it down, guys. Let's go. Listen. So the heat that the system has taken from your house, it now needs to get sent into the ground. But before you do that, we're gonna send it through a heat exchanger that preheats your domestic hot water. You're going to use the heat. Yes. Instead of wasting that energy, yes. it's free energy. Yes. And, our and that's what you were talking this about. This could be done for a pool or whatever. Yeah. Our clients so, have the option of heating up their pool for free, their hot water for free, or their the? basement, so wait their a basement second. slab for free. <laughs> so, so when you get a geothermal system, you're getting two. One for your boiler and one for the main building. There's even triple functions units. We have, There's we triple have units. functions. Okay, we have I get this. That will do forced air. It will do hydronic. It will do your domestic hot water. It will do cooling. It will do everything. Okay, let's within, go. Within one chassis. Let's go back a second. What energy can we use to run this system? Let's start with that. Can what energy use, are we using? Obviously, we're using electricity. We're running, we're running a compressor. We're running motors. But for every one kilowatt we use, we're getting four free kilowatts out of the earth. So it's three times more efficient? Essentially five times because you're using one kilowatt. In total, you're getting five. You're getting five units of energy, but you're only consuming one. From the same amount of energy to run an HVAC system? This is comparing to electrical. Okay. And it, it's the same across the board with natural gas, propane. 
propane is probably even worse. We're probably even even more competitive with propane. Natural gas is closer. Natural gas makes a lot more sense in the city because of the vertical drilling aspect of the installation. But if you're up north and you're on propane or you're on electrical, you should really consider geothermal. So what city in this world is leading geothermal? Who's actually doing a lot of good in geothermal? It's got to be somewhere in Germany. I, I, I was going to say it's not North America. It's always the Germans. Well, <laughs> you need to be careful when saying geothermal. Why? Because if you go to Iceland, for example, they have real ge- geothermal. What's real geothermal? They, they drill into the earth and they get just, just steam. They get so much steam and energy. They can produce electricity from that. St- they make steam generation electricity plants from their from their vertical drills in iceland they have heated heated sidewalks and streets that's how much energy they have free pretty much coming from the ground is it the mass that makes this so efficient like creating mass is that's what's making geothermal so efficient what's efficient is using the earth because it's a constant temperature it's stable and it's like just the temperatures are perfect for this application and also what Roman says, you get the free energy. You're not it, creating it's, it's energy. Mind-blowing. You're not combusting anything. You're just moving energy from one place to another. Yeah, and, it, and, it, and the doing. heat pumps just do a super efficient job doing that. What I do know is in mechanical, and, you're, and you do HVAC, so water pumps typically draw the most energy out of all parts of a home, right? For, for power. <laughs> Especially the first original startup. Like when you start a pump up, it takes initial, a lot of power to start it up. All, all motors uh, take power. I, th- I think I know what you mean. The initial draw, the first couple of seconds to, st- to start a motor. So is it more efficient running water in a loop? Is that how it's helping the geothermal? Uh, yes, because Manny, you've done a, a really nice project in Toronto doing a radiant heat. Water is more dense than air. Therefore, you can transfer more energy using water as the medium. Okay. In a traditional gas-fired furnace system, you're just you're heating air, you're moving it at a high temperature through ductwork. There's more effort to move it, to heat it to move it. Yes. Uh, what's the a 14 by 8 duct can transfer as much heat as a three-quarter inch PEX pipe. So in geothermal, we're using again we're using water as the conductor. Wait, say that the, again. So you're saying a 14 by what duct? 14 by 8 duct is equivalent to a three-quarter PEX pipe. Yeah, that's how much copper. Uh, copper. Water, okay, a three-quarter inch water line. Generally, you'll move the same amount of energy through those two. Okay, now I get so it. So wa- water is just denser than air. So geothermal is like spray foam. No, don't, don't bring spray foam. <laughs> no, I, I want to know. I want to know. No, how. Well, well, because if, you, if you're just pushing air and you stop, you stop heating a zone, it starts to dissipate right away. If you're pushing water, it's going to hold mass and it's going to have like a memory and it's going to it's going to give energy for a longer amount of time, right? In a way, yeah. Yes, and it, it, it holds uh, holds more energy and it gives more energy. It's just a much better way a, of doing it. It has a much things. higher transfer rate. You're able to transfer that energy much more efficiently. And that's the efficiency of geothermal. Using water source. Water water source. That's just a fact, air versus water. Yeah. That's all it is, okay. Wow. Okay, so <laughs> let's talk commercial and then we'll go back to residential because I think... Well, hang on. We need to take a break because we have to do a little building code oh. halfway through. Well, wait a second. <laughs> do you guys know about the building code 2030, net zero? 2030? Yeah. Yeah, I know about that. It's 2030. It's yeah. far. Yeah. But and people I guarantee are jumping you, on board. And I guarantee you, I'm not a politician 
watch that date move. You think so? Uh, watch that date move. <laughs> <laughs> Just watch it move. It's, I think all. it's going to start already. You're going <laughs> to see a big hand from the sky come down and take that calendar and slide it. Slide it to like 2016. They're going to move it. Well, our, our building at Alliance Avenue is already there. No, everybody that's doing it, they're doing it not because they're being mandated by the government to do it. They're doing it because they're seeing the value down the road. The government never sees the value down the road. Otherwise, we would have an efficient city. We don't even have a, I would have to say, I, I can't even compare our city to like a forced air system. Our city is like a couple of twigs that are trying to make smoke. You know what I mean? They're not they're not efficient, the city. So I, I've heard of that date. It's not going to happen. Good luck on it. I mean, that's just my opinion. Why? What do you think about that? Well, I think if it comes around, geothermal is going to be the go-to heating and cooling system. I would love to see that, honestly. I would love to see that. Tell that to all the people that live in $3 million homes that are 2,000 square feet downtown core right now, and you ask them to rip up all the roads to do the loops. It's going to go for new construction, obviously. It's not, they're not going to do that for old homes. It's, it's going to hit new construction and retrofitting of existing large commercial buildings. Hang on. We got to get back to this building code thing. We're getting into a rhythm. Oh, oh hang on a second. I know what Manny wants. Building code talk. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we just wanted to share part of the building code, which is section... I, don't, I can't remember the section. I think it's section one or... It could be two. 6.2.3.1. 17 of tape 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 used for sealing joints in air ducts plenums and other parts of the air duct system shall meet the flame resistant requirements for fabric in can forward slash ulc dash s109 a flame test of flame resistant fabrics and films does that make sense to you guys you need to use flame resistant tape yes perfect that's all so, we wanted to share so basically foil tape <laughs> <laughs> Everyone Come should on, be doing it, but that sounded more no. legit. Yeah, all right? that's how. Okay, I'm so saying. I'm going to dumb it down. Basically, <laughs> when you're running uh, rigid duct lines, you should be. There, there's two things you should be doing. You should be either foil taping it as a minimum, yes. or at least you should be taping and um, putting around every joint. That's yes. that's the proper way to do yes. things. That way, you have a, a proper source to where you want the heat or cold to go. That's right. Thank you, Manny. The metal joints. For building code talk. <laughs> <laughs> okay, back to geothermal with the the professors here. This is like class, man. I'm actually a doctor. Are you a doctor, <laughs> really? I'm a heating doctor. You're a heating doctor. <laughs> He's a doctor, but we won't get into that. <laughs> Something to do with proctology. I, I just promoted, I promoted myself to doctor when I redesigned my uh, business card. You know what? I know a lot of guys that put that title on. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, wouldn't it, it would be really cool. Honestly, it would be really cool to see a subdivision made and all geothermal. There's a few of those out there. Where? In Canada? I've seen videos in the States. I'm not sure about Canada. And can, and Canada they're doing yes. condos. They're doing condos in Canada. They're doing like condo complexes, geothermal. And, and what's really cool, if you want to be on the topic of efficiency, they're building complexes with one heating source. So it's like all the units they share. There's a term for it. So this makes this this is what I wanted to get to. I mean, I love commercial and I want to get back to the commercial, but you said a few times we shouldn't be talking about money when we talk about geothermal. It's about giving back in the right places. When it comes to residential, you just made a really good point. Unless you can really afford and you're trying to make a difference in the world, that's when you should be doing it residentially, right? But when you get into mass few townhouses or a complex, now you're getting into something very interesting because now, instead of doing one, you're doing 
30 or 40 homes with the same system. Correct. Instead of having, if you have 30 homes, you have 30 oversized furnaces. Instead of having that, you have one, one system. It's, uh, it's called something. It's like a common power plant or something like that. I forget I think the term. you guys are wrong. You should be talking about money. <laughs> okay, yeah, let's talk like about him too. Listen, I agree <laughs> with talk him. about money then. I, I, I think it, yeah, I think it costs a lot of money, but I think the benefits outweigh the costs. Okay, I'll give I'll share an example. We finished a custom home three and a half years ago, six thousand square foot addition out in Caledon. Addition? Addition. Six thousand square foot addition. I love it. Yeah, it, okay. was, it was nice. We installed a very efficient uh, heating system radiant air handlers a nice boiler i tried my hardest nice i'm sure you did an amazing job you know it <laughs> <laughs> and um so what i'm what i'm getting at i, I go to their house uh, every six months for scheduled maintenance and you know sometimes i ask them so how much are you paying for propane because they love to talk about it you know, propane cost them about uh, i want to say roughly between seven to ten thousand dollars a winter Ouch. Is that with geothermal or without no, geothermal? No, oh, no. That, that's, use, that's using propane to fire up a boiler using a radiant heating system. Radiant you're, just burning, you're just burning money if you're running out of propane. Yeah, so it, it costs less in the beginning, but then you're dumping 10 grand a winter into this home and then all year to uh, run the boiler to, to heat your domestic hot water. Okay, so that same house scenario, if we were to do geothermal, what would it cost? It would cost a lot. I'm not going to get into the numbers. There's a lot of details. There's, you can't just say geothermal. Are we going to, same thing. Are we going to go forced air? Are we going to go radiant? Are we going to go horizontal loop? Are we going to go vertical loop? There's a lot of variables involved. So you go radiant. You guys already spent the money on the radiant. So 6,000 square foot house. And now you want to do, instead of propane, you do geo. How much more money are we adding to that if we go geo? Okay, Manny, listen, it's going to cost more. It's but what's, what's the it, more? It, it, it's it's going to cost more, but... Probably we not have, more than 25% extra, but that's mostly because of your loop. But that's not a lot more. It's not a lot but more. That's and it. that's why, in my opinion, if you plan to own a property for a good length of time, you should be considering geothermal. If, you're, if you plan to sell it, if you plan to make money on it, if you're not sure how long you're going to be there... No, no, no. You don't Whatever, whatever. But if you plan to keep it, if it's a commercial building, especially libraries, schools, these things are going to stay there. The same people are going to own them for many, many decades. Why are you not geothermal? And we have, we have a client up in Stouffville with a 10,000 square foot home. It's very nice. And he pays <laughs> $400 a year for his heating. Because it's geothermal. Yes. And his hot water is for free. And he has a backup boiler. And his pool is heated for free. Most likely, yeah. Uh, his pool, is, it, yeah. is his pool heated? Yep, yeah, it's heated off the geothermal. Okay, he so... He pays $400 a year yeah. on a 10,000 square foot house? Yeah, and then he built a 20-story condo also using geothermal. I'm and the house, tomorrow. the house is radiant? <laughs> the house is radiant? The house has three water-to-water -water source heat pumps, and it's fully radiant throughout. And then it has two air handlers that are supplied by the radiant hot water. It has a water coil. It's two air handlers with a water coil. So the same water that's going into the floors is also going to these air handlers. Okay, so then when they're talking to clients, because that sounds like a smart client, the propane client doesn't like he's not thinking long term. Ten thousand, four hundred. Right? Like, how do you sell this to clients? How do you, do they have to be tree huggers? Or no. do they just, no. 
they have to be very wealthy because they saved a lot of money. What I find is most of these people are just really smart and they know what they want. That's all it is. They've done their homework. They a know lot, what they want. A lot of homework. Yeah. Well, let's get back to that 25%. So you're taking a 6,000 square foot addition. It's 25% more to change it over to geothermal. Within I seven, wouldn't say change it. I'd not, say if we're installing it initially. If we're going to do one versus the okay. other, you're looking at a 25% price difference in most cases. Seven years, it will have paid itself off. And now... I think that refers to the 25%. So it legalizes at that point. So In about seven years? But, yeah, but your loop, five to seven years, it really depends on the, on the case. Sometimes it could be less. In, in commercial, it could be as much as two to three years because they're using their stuff so much. But here's the real question. You tree hugger you, I'm looking at Carlito. <laughs> What's the reduction on the carbon footprint from not going gas versus the, the geothermal? That's massive. It's huge, huge, right? So let's talk about those points. Okay, guys. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to talk about it. So in 2015, there was, such, there was a meeting called the Paris Agreement yeah. where a bunch of countries agreed to reduce their carbon emissions. Canada said we're going to do it by 2030. I know. Yeah. But, but guys, okay. we have something to cheer for. We have 10 more years to go. And we'll almost be 60. That's, that's okay. <laughs> this, this is an initiative. And... Once you start nerding out and actually watching these videos on YouTube that no one watches, but they're actually super informative about all these building retrofits that are doing this, we are doing a super good job. And if you look at us in Lake Ontario and all the water systems that we have there, we're doing really good. We are being very competitive and some countries have already backed out, but we know like Canada's staying in. We're not, we're not backing out. Are we across the board, or is it just Ontario? Is I'm assuming Vancouver is probably just as good. Oh yeah, geothermal uh, is quite prevalent in Vancouver. That's what they I figured. They have quite a few condos out there that are geothermal. That's what I figured. Uh, to answer your question about the carbon, yes, I've traveled Germany a couple of times now, and there's a big thing to reduce the the carbon emissions. And when you're burning natural gas and propane, you are emitting a lot of carbon into the air. And by using geothermal the only energy that we're using is a little bit of electricity. And now with new technology on circulators, it's like we're not using incandescent lights anymore. We're using LED, right? So we have the, that equivalent in circulators. So yes, we're running electricity, but Ontario, uh, Ontario is actually doing really good on having green energy. 50% of our energy is uh, n nuclear. And if you look at a pie, a pie chart, uh, where we get our electricity is, is really good. It, we are doing a good job. Okay. Well, what I do like at a green level is that we're typically talking about residential 70% of the time on our podcast, but this is making a really good point. The city is growing. We're not building houses anymore. We're going up. We're building high rise buildings. We're building large factories. People aren't building the same homes as they used to. Not, not everyone has that option anymore because the, the land's not there. The jobs aren't in the same places as the land. You have to travel farther, which is a higher footprint. So now that we're getting into a commercial land and you guys are saving energy in a, in a smaller footprint on the whole planet, this is very, very efficient for our future. So even if you don't put this in your house, people listening that are building buildings or apartment buildings, they should be jumping on board because they're going to make a difference for our kids and the planet. It allows for sustainable building. If you couple geothermal with some solar panels, uh, some good insulation, your building can actually produce more energy than it uses. Here's a question for you guys. If you guys have done your homework, 
You remember, what was it, about a decade ago, maybe 15 years ago, the whole city place bullshit in Toronto, where basically they popped 24 towers, condo towers, off of Spadina, one exit. With a very poor infrastructure? Yeah, so they just did that because they're stupid. Are any of those towers or any of the new towers that are going up, are they geothermal? Plenty of them, yeah. A lot of them are, yeah. Really? Are they? Yeah. Are they really, yeah? Yeah. So why is big? There's been a big movement towards it. So all those it's, towers. It's happening and so little people know. I'm, I'm really puzzled by why it's not talked about more. Yeah. So many community centers in Toronto are geothermal. There's a condo going up right now, I think, young and something, right in the middle of downtown. And it, it's con, it's a condo building and they, they messed up. They didn't do the loop before they put the structure up. So now what they're doing is they're doing <laughs> directional. Big... They're doing the, the scheduling issues. Okay. Now they're doing directional boarding. So this <laughs> condo, it loop goes under under the city's streets under other buildings it's all up in there oh my god what a <laughs> spaghetti factory <laughs> pretty much wow so i didn't know that that's interesting that a lot of these towers are already geo it's surprising manny the more the more and more i learn about this it's it's all over the place it's just there's very little awareness about this how do we make this more attractive for people to, okay so in 30 years i've only been to part of two geothermal builds one in the United States and one here in Canada. Every time I talk to people about geothermal, they don't want to hear about it or they don't want to talk about it. it, it they just don't understand it. It's too difficult. How do we make this sexier or more drawing to people to start using There's it? There's a real lack of experts in the field. And a lot of the stuff that's being built doesn't work the way it's intended to work. And that's a big problem. We need more experts. Where's we need, the we fault? Need more, we need more education. We need, we need people mentoring people just like we've been following Dennis for the last year or so there's not enough knowledge out there there's not enough qualified installers out there people don't know how to size things properly you need a really good engineering team to do a proper building you can't just come in there put a loop this and this things won't work the way you intend you'll be working like 70 percent of the year and other times you can't keep up or if you oversize your loop you'll put so much heat back into the loop you're going to have a problem all your compressors are going to go on overheat yeah, guys, and, and you know what? I want to bring this up. Geothermal in the last, what, 20 to 30 years has gained a really bad reputation. It Why? Has, it has because, because of uh, poor installation. Poor installation. Is it poor installation or is it poor design? Both. It, it really is an engineering task. People just want to make their money. They just want to sell it, do something, get out of there. And then... No somebody's stuck with a shitty product and they're spreading a bad word about geothermal. Yeah, and it, doesn't, and it doesn't work. And I've been to houses like this where they ripped out the geothermal and they put in a boiler natural no. gas. What? Yeah, really? Yeah, because the whole the ground loop was undersized. Our competitors, they love to use coils that meet the minimum requirement. See, in Polar Bear, we use bigger coils, thicker copper. Our units will last <laughs> a long, long time. The geothermal industry, a lot, a lot of previous installations where engineers, contractors, they were learning, making mistakes, and unfortunately, a lot of systems were A lot of these companies undersized. were gone. People, people have gone out of business, and now people are stuck with old systems that have motherboards from a particular company. That company's not even around anymore. How yeah. do you fix this? You can't fix it anymore. We don't have motherboards in our so, systems. That's so why. going back to what you said before, it, if you're cheap and you're undercutting a geothermal system, it's going to suffer. You're going to lose. That's right. What is the formula here? Like, is there a basic formula and you guys look at the square footage of a building and what size pipe you're supposed to be using, drilling? Is there, like, I'm just, it feels like you need designers and scientists working you need together. engineers involved in every project. 
That's what you need. You got it. And so you guys have engineers that know yes. exactly based on the size. Now, the building hasn't... Okay, you guys are talking about new construction. The building hasn't been built yet. And I've always find this really fascinating with HVAC, mechanical. You guys are designing a system for a structure that's not built yet. Yes. So there is a little bit of trial and error on, on you know, how the air is going to move. You're doing it based off of drawings, right? And on cubic size of rooms and everything like that. So then you determine what size furnace, what size ductwork, what size everything. It's the same thing with geothermal, right? For sure. You need to, so you're looking at drawings of a structure and you need to figure out what do we really need, what size to go We with. have to be involved early and we got we to gotta tell them the space we need. We got we to gotta work with the, what insulation is going to be used. If things don't, aren't sized properly, everything's going to go to shits. And you only get one shot at that sizing. The drilling, the loop is one. Sometimes, sometimes you can be lucky. Maybe you're not so far off. Maybe you can add some loop, but you're, you're just looking at more cost. Of, yeah. And you're working with a lot of money. Okay. So we got that one building, the same client, the one uh, in, in Stokeville with the 10,000 square foot home. He's got a condo in Oshawa. He built a condo. I think it's like 17 stories or something. And he did geothermal and he didn't go with us for his equipment for the condo. He went with another company. And now he's experiencing so much issues. He's had so many HVAC contractors there and none of them can fix it. So we've been brought in and we're charging him ridiculous amounts of money, but we're bringing things up to par finally. What's the issue? The issue is that they're not heating and cooling the way it should be? The issue is poor equipment. The issue is the loop is overheating. Is that because of spacing or not enough Not enough of them to not cool? Not enough heat is being removed from the loop because the building is cool dominant. Wherever you're trying to release the heat, it's staying too warm and it's not, coo it's not cooling Just not down. Enough. Not enough people are calling for heat. Let me give you guys a, a scenario. <laughs> dum dum dum. Can we geothermal a shed? Does everything downsize? Does it downsize? Does it does it do that? It's can doable. you go in my backyard? Yeah, we can we can we can do a tiny heat pump, small loop. The answer is yes. You can do it. So everything is downsized, right? Yes. And so you have a smaller heat pump and you have a smaller loop or smaller pipe, everything, and then you can heat that structure. Yes. Okay, I was just curious. From what I understand, the biggest problem in geothermal is the grid should be laid out first, which is the cooling system. That should be done before the you mean, building you mean structure. The That's you mean right. The, the, the loop yeah. is the most important part of geothermal. It's one of the major there's three, system there's components. There's three parts, like I said. You have the heat pump, and that's right bang in the middle, and that works with everything else. It's connected to the loop on one side. It's connected to the building on the other side. And it allows energy transfer between the two, which is also reversible depending on the season. Are you guys working with any of our Ontario housing home projects to kind of save taxpayers money with the government? Are we doing this? Is If we're trying to make that 2030, shouldn't we be doing that in like welfare homes and like co-op buildings? And There's not enough of this happening. There used to be some really nice rebates for geothermal a couple of 10 years ago, 15 years ago. Those are all gone all over Canada. The States is giving 30% money back on your geothermal system. I don't know why we're not doing it here. Across okay. the States? All across the States. 30%. 30%. And guys, by the way, there is one geothermal system going, being installed in the States every day. And in Canada? If not, not more. It's going to be more than that. Canada's That's got an old statistic, but one system a day in, in the States. Let's get to Canada. What is the best system for a soil area? And what is the best system for a rock area? 
Or does it matter? It doesn't matter because you guys said earlier. Well, no, on, there's there's a cost efficiency, they right? They can drill through. I believe rock allows for more energy transfer. And sand and sand is trouble. Sand is no good. Why? Rock is just poor energy transfer. That's all it is. So if we were down here at the beaches, you would say that we would have to tie into the water lines so to cool the water systems. is the best. You could do you could do a lake loop. You don't need to use the earth. You could take your pipes and you can sink them at the bottom of the lake with weights and you could remove energy from the bottom of the lake all year round and you can dump energy back in there in the summer. Say I'm at Batherson Bloor. What is it that you would sell to me? Natural gas. Natural <laughs> gas. And, and the loop system would be what? I'll tell you Mitsubishi Mr. Slim. <laughs> uh, by the way, I like them. <laughs> I hate them. <laughs> They look like shit. I don't care how quiet they so are. So <laughs> before you even vertical drill, you need to do a sample. A, you take a core sample and you send it to the lab and the lab comes back with the results to tell you. And then you take it from there. The results of what? How much energy there is in that sample? You, you get the results of what, what kind of soil, what is it, rock, is it sand, what is, what is in the ground there. In order to size your loop, you got to know what your heat transfer rate with that particular soil is. Make so you know how big lower. it is. So you know how much you need. Okay. And it doesn't change from six feet below. It doesn't change. It's relatively the same kind of... Relatively. All you really need is five, six feet. And it costs $22 as long as, a foot to drill. As long as you have horizontal $2? space, you $22 can forget the drilling. But in the, if you're in the city, you, can't, you don't have that option, unfortunately. Okay. So for our contractors, our GCs, and our homeowners, what is the stopping point that's not realistic to do geothermal in a home. If you have a home that's too small. And what would that, in square feet, what would that be? Say I have a customer that has a home at 3,000 square feet, unless they're really trying to make a big difference and they're planning to sell the home to another family that would continue on with being green, what would that square feet be? Just so that listeners can, can pay attention to that, because I, I think it's very important that the listeners understand that at a commercial level or at a very large level, this is very efficient, and this is where the money, the bang for your it's buck is. Still, it's still very efficient on the residential scale. It's just, does the customer want that? Are they going to stay in that building for a long time? Most people, they don't live in a house for a very long time. That's why they're not doing it. Are you living in a house or a condo? Um, I live in a townhouse. Okay, so... I guess you don't have geothermal there. <laughs> but if you if you had a choice and, and you were in Ontario, what would you do? If I had a house and I I say I built a house, I would do geothermal and I would keep it for 30, 40 years. And I would save money. If I'm up north and I and I build a cottage and my options are propane and electric, I'm gonna do geothermal. I'm not I don't wanna spend all this money on utilities. Right now I'm building I'm gonna use my example. No, because this this is gonna help me because I'm I'm at a point where I'm going to be knocking down my house right now and building a new home. You guys sell me on what kind of system I should have. I'm, I'm 2,000 square feet. I'm on slate on a, basically a hill, and I have like 1,000 square feet of waterfront or 1,000 linear feet of waterfront, Lake Ontario. What are you selling to me, and why do I want to go that direction? You have the most economical potential for a geothermal system because of the lake. The cheapest way to get a geothermal system is a lake loop because it's, you don't have to excavate barely, maybe a little bit to get into the lake. You don't need to drill. Okay. So my problem is, and I'm going to stop you there because I have a really serious problem. I have conservation on my waterfront. I can do anything in the water, but I can't break my ground. Like where my beach meets the water, I'm not allowed to touch that at all. 
I can't dig there. So what is it around? How do I get around the conservation part of it? Because I, I love that. And I really want to like this house I'm building. It's going to last me until I'm dead. I'm sure there's a way you find a way to insulate that pipe or can't you just you do it? it? You do it and you do it at night and no one ever, ever knows. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I can't do that. I'm bribes. A, so basically I'm on an Island. That's what I live. Like my house is an Island. Mm-hmm. It's very protected, like conservation. They don't joke around. Star I'm not 100% here, on this, but I'm, I believe a lot of these conservation areas allow for geothermal. Okay, that's good to know then. So I'm going to look into that. How much is it going to cost me to do a 2,000 square foot? Let's just say it's at 2,000 square feet right now. How much is it going to cost me to do a complete system with you guys? Ballpark. We won't hold it to you, but everybody yeah, not, listening like, will. And how much would I be saving if I didn't go geothermal, but not save in the long run? If you do a lake loop... You're really going to be really close. You're not going to really pay a premium. Okay. A system from the beginning to finished typically costs. There's so many variables. Again, I don't want to be making up numbers because okay. there's so many variables. Do you have a pool? Like I said, is it forced air? Is it hydronic? Well, you, I, do you I have get a the triple, lake. Or do you have a triple <laughs> function? There's, there's a lot of variables. How good is your insulation? There's a lot of factors. If somebody's really interested and wants to find out, and well, I'm very interested right yeah. now. So you, you want to talk okay, to well, us? Let's, let's break it. You down. want to break down the details? Like I'm actually a customer right now. I'm actually asking you guys because I'm very interested. And now after this podcast, okay. I want to talk to you. A little okay, bit. so, so we, let's let's break it down. We should really connect with an engineer at that point. Okay, and let's get them to assess your property and the earth and the loop, and then we can talk numbers. You guys can't give up a price just yet because you don't have something that's comparable to that scenario. We've only been doing this for just over a year. We okay. have a guy with 30 years of experience behind us. He's been building these things for 30 years and installing the whole... Residential no, that's fair. I respect that. I respect that. I don't, I don't want to be giving you false numbers. I don't want to be, be giving your listeners false numbers. If somebody's interested, we could have a serious conversation and we can give you numbers. I okay. can give you a, a BlackRock HVAC price of $100,000. For the geo, it's on on sale. Are data. you just making that up? I'm making that up. This guy, this guy <laughs> thinks I got a hundred grand laying around. <laughs> well, in all fairness, man, a radiant system boiler it, for two thousand square feet is going to cost you seventy grand. I'll tell you about the heat pump. You're looking between seven to fifteen thousand dollars, depending how serious you want that thing to be. What do you want? Do you want to have every possible function, or do you just want? What are the functions? Let's go over a few of them. There's different, there's different units. There's certain units that are just water to water and they will just do hydronic. There's units that are just water to air and they will just do forced air. There's units that will do both. There's units that would have the add-on option of the superheater allowing for domestic hot water. You have to do both if you want AC and heating, don't you? You got to use the, the heating for the water for radiant and then you got to use a forced air system to run the... It's, all of them, it's one unit. All of them give you heating and cooling. Oh, really? You're just branching it off. Say so, so you get a water to water and you want cooling, how are you going to do that? Well, you add an air handler. And then you connect it to the ductwork and run it all there. Exactly. So we, with a heat, a heat pump, it just looks like a furnace, but much bigger. It, it's a bigger box connected to ductwork. And there's no units outside, nothing. It's, not just, it's just a box in your mechanical Not necessarily room. to ductwork. I, I changed the compressor on a unit last week. It was a 20-year-old unit. And it's still kicking. I just had to change the compressor on it. It finally died. Is doing all the in-floor in the house, is doing the pool in the building, and it's got an air handler upstairs that's feeding water to. Very versatile, these things. You can do anything you want with them. But like you guys said, that if people are doing it incorrectly and then there's a problem where it's not 
sizing the solutions the, for the, the big heating. the big problem is often in the heat pump quality itself and also in the quality of the loop people install for you and when you say the quality of the loop the actual pipe itself is is not a lower sometimes quality. people don't have the experience and things go wrong and maybe there's a leak in the pipe maybe things get kinked or you don't make enough loops in construction we both know you know it's very easy to minimum code things <laughs> minimum code and you want to take shortcuts save some money you know it's really easy to save money with making less loops or well this is a great point so where should you never cut corners don't cut corners well people are going to ask to do don't this, cut so. corners with your earth loop okay that's the worst mistake you will ever make because that that's basically the foundation if, of the whole system if you get system. that right and you get a poor heat pump you can still replace the heat pump the loop is there and if you did it right it's there for hundreds of years and okay. you can replace your heat pumps as you go but the loop is there and you can use it for as long as you want so it will outlive you and your kids and your grandchildren say right now i want to spend my money wisely on the loop system i can go a little cheaper on the second part of it and then as i get some money i can replace it and get into a, a better no, that's another mistake you're going to make. <laughs> you're going to spend more just money do it, if you do, do it. First you just Ideally, you want to do it right the first time, and you never want to call us for a long time. Are there municipal issues regarding digging? Because you're obviously digging under people's other like properties, and you're digging under public property. Are there? We have to fill out forms, and there's a bunch of red flags. There's a team of designers and engineers involved even before we arrive that take care of all that. That is a part of the formality. Yeah, for that, sure. That there's a, there's all kinds of things on the earth you gotta watch out for. Yeah, you can't just start Absolutely. digging loops and-, and Absolutely. Okay. And Carlito, back to your point. You have, to, you have to analyze all these things before you go ahead with the project. I wanna add to, to uh, Mr. Pavlovich's point. I love this guy, about... he's so official. I feel like I'm in the military. Whenever someone uses my last name, it's like military. <laughs> for the police. Sar Sergeant Doris. Imagine, <laughs> imagine we're building a hot rod and you restore the body you wrap the seats in the le in leather you like with the cross stitching that you love and you you get an engine you put the engine in nice braided braided lines in the engine bay and then you cheapo on the radiator it's too small what it's are you gonna constantly overheating yeah and that's bullshit yeah you, you, now you can't even drive my car you can't even enjoy the damn car yeah Okay. So you're going to undersize the loop. You won't, you won't enjoy your house. It's going to be a constant headache. Just How many companies are out there in Ontario, geothermal-wise? Are there a lot? We're the only manufacturer in Ontario. Okay. We do engine total engineering, design, manufacturing, and installation. There are plenty of contractors out there, but we are... A lot of them are using American equipment. And yes. It's, it's very inferior in many ways. So you're saying German technology. Canadian. Canadian. Oh, I like that even better. This is a local product. But I like we it. Are, we are one of two branded water source heat pump manufacturers in Canada. What is the maintenance that you guys are actually doing yearly? You said every six months you guys come in. What is it that you're looking for? What are what, what is the maintenance every six months? So it's a refrigeration system. So you come in, you check the pressure levels of the refrigerant, you check the oil, you check if there's acid in the system. You... Um, Test all the ball valves, open and close to make sure nothing is seized. A very detailed visual inspection, temperature checks. And just you go in there and make sure it's working and the customer's happy. I got a question for you, gentlemen. What if you guys come in, you guys design everything, engineer everything, set everything up, build everything, give me a quote, I sign off, do not ask for a discount, and then we start the system and it's not working properly. Who is at fault and are you guys expecting me 
to pay more to figure out this system. If that does happen and it is our fault, we will take full responsibility for it. Not that it's happened before in the past. That's what it sounds like. You guys are saying that geothermal's got a bad rap because, because guys, people aren't doing it right. They're not doing it correctly. And it still works. Because people do it, it still works. If I had the money, systems systems die three four years into it. Uh, they're not getting heat on the coldest days. They're on emergency heat on the coldest days of the year. It still works though. Look, no, no. Rec- but I'm recently, saying is that if I, uh, I when I don't, yeah. I don't know a part of construction. I don't dictate where it's gonna go. When a mechanical person comes in and they start dictating how this should be and you present everything to me and you guys know the structure but then the system is not working correctly i'm going to be a little upset because i never argued or contested what you guys said to do look i believe the contractor should take full responsibility of their product they need to stand behind their promise and if something doesn't work you go in there and it's your responsibility to make it work but that's not the industry that we all know just saying so that's all Okay. So let us be an example to other contractors. Let me tell you about an interesting thing that happened when we installed a system recently in Markham. So there was a house. They were already on geo for many, many years. Their heat pump died. We came in there with a Polarberg unit. We cut out their old heat pump. We connected everything. They had a second heat pump. There was two. So we replaced one of them. You know what happened when we connected our heat pump to the system? It killed the other heat pump. Why? Because we were pulling so much energy out of the earth it caused the other heat pump to freeze up so you guys had to replace that one no it wasn't needed we were able to pull the whole house with the one with the one yeah our so heat pumps are are nice like if, if it's an engine it's a v8 for sure it you don't need to put put a lot of effort into pressing the gas pedal it just it just kind of goes with little effort sounds like a diesel motor <laughs> <laughs> I, you know what in, in all fairness i'm still on the fence if i had the money I'm still on the fence because Do of your the research. concern. Yeah, for sure. If, you, if you're considering these things, you want to know. You want to know everything. You want to know all the concerns, and you want to make sure you mitigate everything going wrong. Because I would love to have that house with geothermal and tell people, yeah, my heating We've is got so many dollars We've seen so many of these houses now in the last year, and people have systems that are 20 years old, and they're happy. Yeah, they're, they're all happy. happy. They're so what fails? Just the heat pump fails. The, most off, the thing that fails that we're usually up there replacing is the compressor and that's usually 15 16 17 yeah. 20 and, and they have a life expectancy of 15 to 20 years that's normal it's is normal. that a big Which ticket it's better it's better than replacing the whole heat pump our heat pumps are rebuildable the chassis will last 100 years you go in there and any technician can replace all the components and we don't have any proprietary parts we don't have any circuit boards we just have your basic contactors relays and over the last 30 years only four relays have ever failed. So our parts are oversized, wiring is oversized, coil, coils are oversized, everything just solid. We're going, we're going above and we're there to, to protect the customer. And make a point. So who doesn't like you guys? Hydro? <laughs> no, Hydro love us because we use electricity. But not to the extent that no, no, someone... they love, No, they love us. How? They, they want us to install more systems. <laughs> it, is, it, is it because that we have such a shortage of power? And they want to try to stretch that out, and you guys no, are helping we have them expensive get the power. power here. They're in the business of selling power. They want to sell power. Yeah. So who doesn't lo- who doesn't love us, Roman? That's an interesting question. I don't know. Well, well everything polar, that's polar good. Polar bear haters. They should die. <laughs> what, How sir? do you not love a polar bear, man? <laughs> yeah, I know. Right? <laughs> what was that's that? That's true. There's not going to be any left soon if we don't start using geothermal. <laughs> <laughs>
there's always somebody that dislikes you if you're doing something better because you're putting them out of business. Cheap, cheap, cheap folks, cheap folks that don't want to spend the money that want a cheaper option and we're just not there for them. You got a really good point about, and I've heard you say it a few times now on the show, people don't want to live in that same house for a long time. And that's because the house wasn't built properly. But if the house was built properly, mm-hmm. they'd stay. Yeah. How do you have Europe like that? How many but people, like generations, live in the same house over and over? It gets, it gets passed on. It gets passed on. And that house is not falling apart. I can only imagine the same as in Germany and Geneva, whatever, right? Well, so I don't know. In Croatia, we built out of concrete, so <laughs> nothing's really falling apart unless you send a, a rocket over there or something. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, you know, you know who doesn't like us? People who don't know about this. I was there. I was there. Two years ago, I was that HVAC guy who didn't know anything about geothermal. And when Roman calls me, he's like, hey, man, uh, what do you think about geo? Ah, screw geo. Why did you say that? It, it is a complex thing. Yeah. I didn't know anything about it. I didn't take the time to study or research it. So if you don't know, you don't like. Do you have geothermal in your home? I do not. I have natural gas. Okay. And what's holding you back from doing geothermal in your place right now? Waste of money. It's a detached home in Mississauga. I'm not, I'm not going to drill vertical loops in, in my driveway. So I guess the next custom, oh, when you get to that custom home, you'll be definitely doing that. Then. I would love to have a geothermal system, radiating heat throughout. These things have a backup electrical heater just in case. And in our systems, they never even work. That is uh, very important. What you just said that like sticks out to me. I'm like when we talk about water tanks and uh, water on demand, one of the well, that's like for me, a water on demand is very dangerous area for me. So you're saying that having a backup, that w- that's something that is a potential problem for the future that you should have a backup in. Most geothermal heat pumps have uh, an electrical element as backup heat. And on the crappy systems that we've been talking about, they tend to run a lot during the winter. In our, our systems, they don't. They run maybe once a year. Just If something happens, the backup is there, so your compressor dies and you can't get a technician out there for a couple of days to replace it. You're still comfortable. You're not worried. You're not freezing. Your water pipes aren't freezing. Is it easy for a homeowner to take care of this or a high-rise building? Is it easy for maintenance to be able to, to handle it without calling you guys? Very easy. It's pretty well stupid. Like You, you have to be most, really... Most of our clients never call us until something goes tragically bad like a compressor. It's good to hear. And we have client parties in the summer too. And these people are clients from 25, 30 years, 30 wow. years ago. Yeah, they're old folks. Old folks, they still come out. They're fans. Smart ones. And they're happy. And they have really funny stories to share. <laughs> but they still love the polar bear geothermal system. And that's why we're still, we're still here. Let we me tell l- you a cool about story this. about backups. So Dennis does, did this one project he talked to me about. Uh, he did a storage facility somewhere up north. And he installed a few heat pumps for their heating and cooling. And they had two boilers as a backup. So they're not using electric as a backup. It's cheaper to use gas as the backup if it ever happens. They had another boiler for the snow melt all around the building. So a year goes by, customer calls them, Dennis goes, goes out there. He checks the boilers, he checks the heat pumps. The boilers have never ran. It's been a year, they haven't come on. He's very happy. He's concerned about his gas bill for the snow melt. Dennis chops out the boiler repipes the snow melt into the existing heat pumps. Everything works off the existing heat pumps. Now he's doing snow melt and the building. He hasn't even, he didn't even have to add a heat pump and none of the boilers are operating. It's a common thing in our industry to walk into a building and they have back, like massive backup boilers 
with like a two inch gas line coming in. Because you, you're expecting failures? Engineers, again, we need we need more engineering here. We need more qualified if, people. And people people design engineers love to design things that uh, it's over designed and they use way too much backup. That, mm. That's that's how our industry is. It's, right now. it's a standard because, in the commercial. Industry. If anything fails, it, it could fall on them. So they overbuild. A lot of homes we're doing right now are overbuilt. Oversized and overbuilt. You are right. Now that I think about that. That's a stereotype. 100%. Homes, not so much. But look at commercial buildings. There's two pumps for everything. There's multiple backups for everything. Huge. And we're talking about like 2 million BTU boilers. And that's because so many people are living there. And people are going to start calling if things go bad. That's why the backups are there. We tend to walk into buildings where we need to shut down the boilers. The 20-story condo, the, the, the earth loop is overheated. So we actually shut down the boiler. And now we're... We're, we need to reject that heat from the earth somehow. Yeah, they thought they, they weren't getting enough heat from the loop, but really they were overheating their loop and killing their heat pumps. And in the building that we're in, so major portfolio project, it's on Jane and Eglinton, we have so much energy being produced by these heat pumps just to not overheat the earth. We're doing snow melting. And we're heating the garage as well. <laughs> wow. Because you're trying to release that heat yes. somewhere. Yeah. So when we're talking about that efficiency, like how you get four, four to one yeah. energy, that like sometimes that four, it's too much. You need to, you need to do something with it. So we're, we're rejecting that heat into the sidewalks, into the, the ramp, going into the underground. We're heating the underground. And, and that's all free. Is that something that you guys would do during the design stage with the engineer where you just realize that? Or is that something you guys do? When? Uh, it was done during the design with the... Yeah, we have some mad scientists working with us. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like it. With, with, with physics textbooks all over their offices. <laughs> what do you, you want to change about geothermal? Ooh, is that the question? I just I wish know. people were more aware. They knew about it. They studied about it. And... But there seems like there's a lot of misleading information out there. Most people are afraid of it. If, if you every... really want to find the good information, it's, it's all out there. All you have to do is use Google. You got to research. What I, what I would change about the industry is the education. Look, when, when I go to Europe and I talk about geothermal, everyone already knows about it. P people know about it. Oh, yeah, that thing. Yeah, of course. Taking heating from the ground. Oh, mm -hmm. oh, this heat pump. Yeah, yeah. Women, men, they know about it. But you come here and it's still this mythical unicorn that people don't know about. So what I recommend is... Uh, I don't know, go to university and take physics. Nobody's going to do that. That's a little too much, Horace. <laughs> well, well, too bad. Too bad, you know. Why don't you just take some physics courses on YouTube or oh, something? Oh, there you go. There you go. <laughs> he, watch this, watch videos and heat transfer. amazing YouTube channel called, uh, what is it, Engineering Mindset. Yeah. And it breaks down all these principles so well, if you guys are really interested. Engineering Mindset. Go on YouTube, watch videos on heat pumps, on lake loops, what Toronto is doing with their with Lake Ontario. It's fantastic. I'm gonna check it out. Again, what's the, the website for Polar? Polarbeargeo.com. Instagram handle? Polarbeargeo. And then the YouTube channel? Polarbeargeo. Everything's Polarbeargeo. Okay, we're getting close to Get wrapping up, but we've got to do another little segment. Oh. It's Green Book Talk. <laughs> <laughs> All what, right. What's so up for Green Book today? You guys are familiar with the Green Book? So every contractor is supposed to have a green book Health on and site. And, uh, oh, that thing. <laughs> well, what, what we're finding is a lot of people aren't paying attention to it, so we're making it aware to them. Is that okay. This is something that they should be practicing every single day. Even though we're not part of their tailgate meeting, 
which you should hold every single day. Every contractor every morning should have a meeting with his guys about the day, what they're going to do, their safety, the weather, and so on. So this is kind of our way of sharing a tail talk. Today we're going to talk about employer failing to in ensure that a, comp a competent uh, worker is trained. So if you know if you don't train your guys, give them WSIB and so on. For each person, it's five hundred and fifty dollars that works for you, if and you that's that's them. just for the employee. That's not even the actual supervisor or company owner. So for everyone that's on a construction site working under someone as an employee, and if you don't have those records to show an inspector, that's a $550 fine. That's money that can be spent on geothermal. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Thanks for the lesson. <laughs> <laughs> Back to geothermal. What else do we need to know about geothermal that we haven't discussed? Because we've discussed a lot. If you're researching geothermal, look up water source. Water source. Water source. Google search water source geothermal. Yes. And what's going to pop up? Porn? <laughs> like, <laughs> what's popping up? What's going to come up? They're going to do it. No, people are going to go online. And I want to know. But Manny, this is, really, this is really important. You know, I, every time I go on Instagram, I don't watch television, but every time I go on Instagram or I flick through Facebook, I see all these young teenagers and they're make, doing roadblocks, save the planet. They're talking about carbon footprints. Why is the next generation educating themselves to save the planet by doing geothermal? That's Why can't we question. send that message out to them that they could be doing little things like this to change the world? Okay, okay guys, all the, all the young, young people out there, if you guys want to get into a trade, you want to have a specialized trade, a licensed trade, you're interested in geothermal, just start looking up water source, heat pumps, start looking up uh, what is the refrigeration cycle, what does a TX valve do, heat transfer, all that kind of mathematical physics kind of stuff. That's what's going to make the money. That's what's going to build them a great career. It's definitely going to propel them forward because that is the way our industry is moving. That's something I recommend. So saying that, you guys must be looking for some employees. Are you guys at a, at a happy point right now? We have, we have a good group right now. We, what was it that you were looking for when you hired those guys? Someone you take initiative. Someone who can go home and read something and come back the next day with, with new knowledge. With you, I think it's mathematics. You love math. <laughs> I wish I loved math in grade eight. <laughs> you want guys to show up on the job site with a calculator. You know what? I want guys to take the lead. I want them to come up, do their homework. If you're a student and you come to class the next day, your teacher knows you didn't do homework. She just knows because you ask stupid questions. It's a great point. A job should be like getting an education, right? Study and pass your, pass your courses. Follow the leader. Don't get towed by the leader. You're going to get fired that way. And ju just so you know, in Polar Bear Geo, there's, it's a small group of people right now. We have Dennis, and then we have four, four of us, four young guys. We are learning underneath him. So we are looking to grow. We are growing his design team. We're growing his manufacturing team, the installation team. You know, the company is 30 years old, still relatively young. We see a bright future. We see a bright future ahead it's for happening. us. There's, there's, a big, there's a big movement. There's a lot of potential out there. and We're, we're here to grab it. How old are you guys? I'm 27. 30. Holy cow. 30. Okay, here's the big question. I beat Manny to it. This is a two-part question. What, what tools do you guys use? Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I got to know. I already know, okay. man. 
I know the so it's, all, it's all the refrigeration tools, really. But there's Milwaukee? a lot of, there's a lot of interesting tools. It's Milwaukee. Oh, you mean brand? Yeah, yeah. Oh, brand, okay, brand, okay, brand, okay. Roman. Let's go, let's go. It's Milwaukee. What tools do you use, Roman? Yeah! No, are you serious? Uh, he's lying to me. I, I have you? a healthy drill in my truck right now. Beautiful. <laughs> Love it. Listen, listen, having one drill or one it's brand. Than no, nothing. no, 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 no. Do you have more than one? I just got the one healthy right now. He's not a healthy guy. <laughs> but he's I, got, healthy. I got everything. I got Makita. I got Milwaukee. So what two do you have two of? I got like four Makitas and four Milwaukee. Then you're a Milwaukee Makita guy. You're not a healthy <laughs> guy. <laughs> but remember are? at the beginning, there's there's no place. This, like, one thing. Am I, I a fine I got, guy? I got a, I got got a couple. I got a couple of Bosch tools. I got a bunch of tools. I don't discriminate. But I'm still no. going towards Makita Milwaukee. Or that, that's, fine. Are you? that's fine. Okay, I, I grew up with a very opinionated uh, father. <laughs> I love this. And I love Makita. Makita for you. Know. For that makes on. sense. For yeah. bigger drills, it's all about Makita for me. But I am a mechanical contractor, and Milwaukee does make sense for a lot of I other things. Too. For sure. Yeah. So I, I, I spend my time with both Makita and Milwaukee. There was something that you, you said uh, many times throughout this podcast, and I really respect you for it. I was trying to play the cheap customer there, but I love that. You're not allowing. I'm not gonna spend this money on. You. Yeah, I'm not gonna waste this, my time on you. This is what I'm. This is what I'm. No, no. This is what I'm leading to is that a good contractor doesn't just accept a budget. Like you are aware that it's gonna cost so much money to have an efficient. We can help you. System. Like, we can give you more economical options, but it's still gonna cost more than your conventional system in almost no, every no, single case. My point is that I that I respect that that you're not backing down and that makes a good contractor, a bad contractor, somebody goes in and just does it. And I think that geothermal got a bad name from guys like that. They, they were just meeting the yeah, budgets it, and they was, were giving bad products. And what I respect about you guys, but that you said it and you were proud about it. You were like, this isn't somewhere you're not going to spend money. You have to spend money in this. And I think that if anyone's listening, you're bang for your buck. If you do it properly, do you and guys present that to your clients? I just wanted to say, build better, guys. And everyone that's out there, build better. Build better. And we're here to build better with better builders. Do you guys do that part of the engineering when you guys set it up for your clients? Do you guys present a cost analysis of what this is going to be like 10, 20, 30 years down the line? What your savings potentially is? Or Yeah, we could do that. That's part of it, right? Because that's yeah. a real... Especially, especially if we have a serious commercial client and there's, there's, a, there's a big project involved, a lot of money on, on the line. It's a big building. Nobody wants to go back and fix things afterwards. We need to analyze things. Because if I'm going to spend the money on Geo, I want to see a lot of data. For sure. Ooh. <laughs> well, we can, that's just we me. Offer, we offer consulting services. If you're not sure, if you want to find out how it will go, and you want to, you want to maybe do some, do some analysis, get, get a consultant involved, pick out, a, you know, pick out some land, see what you're yeah. going to do there. We can help you. There is engineering involved, and you're more than, more than welcome to come by and go through all the numbers. Oh, yeah. That'll glaze right over me. <laughs> so <laughs> If you guys are interested, by the way, you guys seen this video? If you want to come by that building, you're also welcome to. I definitely want to check it out. It's a good way day. to understand the system. You got to go there, hear it, smell it, listen it's, to it, touch crazy. it. First time I walked in that mechanical room, oh, mind blown. <laughs> it looks yeah. nice on video in the video. Is there... And I've heard you say talking about working with contractors and the engine, but it's mostly been about engineers. What size room are you looking for to have for your mechanical room for this? Is there is this a large room? Because most mechanical rooms are never large. 
They're always small. It, does, it, does this take a lot of room? It's just a furnace. It's just a big, it's about the size of a refrigerator. It's a bigger furnace. So there is no... If you're talking residential. If you're talking mechanical, the rooms are big anyways. There's room. Okay. It, it doesn't need to be too much bigger than a traditional mechanical room. But don't make small mechanical rooms. Yeah, those suck. Oh, we all are on the same page on that. <laughs> it's a room, not a closet, people. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yes, okay. Yes. I, I have a funny feeling. I know that, that, that these guys are on your side on this, but what kind of vehicle do you guys drive? My van. Her name is Princess. <laughs> I love it. And she's a 2015 Ford. No way. Ford Transit 250 diesel extended tall roof. I thought you were a Mercedes guy. All those titles, all those names doesn't make it better. Oh, (laughs) mine doesn't rust. Because you you lost me at Ford. That's all I'm saying is you lost me as soon as you said Ford. Don't worry, I have a Ford 450, so I'm on your side. (laughs) And you? Uh, I have a GMC Sierra. Yeah. I got another V8. I also have a Mercedes Z 550. Oh, there you go. Double V8. <laughs> <laughs> well, I got a Chevy van too. So, and and I have a unicorn outside. It's a four by four, so I call it the unicorn. You do, Savannah. you do, yes. <laughs> but guys, I would rather be driving a sports car. Yeah, me too. But I'm not at that stage in my life yet. <laughs> I, I was, and I had to get rid of them. They caused trouble. <laughs> Same. Um, I do want to know uh, what kind of contractors you guys like working with. Like you guys mentioned it a few times, but we never really touched base on it. What kind of contractors you guys like working with? You're obviously wanting to work with good contractors. You already work with good contractors. What kind of contractors are you looking to work with? People that are knowledgeable. And if they're not, they need to be open to learning things they don't know. Is it always someone that's approaching you guys about geothermal as a contractor, or are you guys approaching contractors looking for for you guys to build for something? For we them? haven't been taking the initiative of approaching people so much. Maybe we should, but we are dealing with a few contractors right now who have reached out to us. Me personally, I like working with contractors who are willing to follow along, trust me, and learn with me. And the second type of contractor is one who's already made the mistakes. And now when he's shopping with us, he knows what, what to look out for. Once you made mistakes, you know what to look for, and you you don't want to make that same mistake again. That's so right. That kind of contractor sees you, and they just know. They know, and they go with you. I just got one last question. Okay, just <laughs> sure. Have, go ahead. I, I'm curious because you said the big V8. Do you got a hot rod at home? I do not have a hot rod. Oh, I was hoping you had I just, something I can't, at home. Guys, I, I need to hustle and bustle right now with my Fords. <laughs> I, I, I daily drive two Fords. I, I don't want to be driving automatic Fords. <laughs> I want to drive stick shift and get my, uh, get my sports car with a V8 twin turbo. They don't make stick shift <laughs> that's, anymore. That's what I want to do. Nobody makes stick shift anymore. Well, you got to go with... Uh, Fucking you, paddles? You got to go with the 90s. Well, I want ping pong some, some, Something Fucking. from the 90s. Yeah. I'm a, ni- I'm a 90s car guy. Of course. I am too. Today's cars suck. And older. <laughs> that's everything that was quick thank you guys that was quick that was an hour and a half man that was quick that was the quickest hour and a half ever <laughs> <laughs> all right carlito oh first thank you very much roman for all the information thank, thank you very you much for, for all the information thank this you. is really enlightening honestly i've learned a few things it's still glazing over me but i'll Actually, be listening to I'm it again pretty impressed that you said at the beginning i don't know anything about i have to say that because i don't know i told you i've always said that on a job site i don't i'm not the smartest room i like hanging out with the smartest people yeah because like then that. they teach me oh i know what kids can do learn how refrigerators work let them and then they can go inside and close the door yeah <laughs> <laughs> process of elimination it's time to get us out of here that's it thank you very much again polar bear information triple w polar bear jail 
geo.com and then the handle polar bear at polar bear at polar bear geo boom boom that's it thank you guys thank you so much this has been great everyone's gonna love this one carlito 416 boom tl baby yeah <laughs> <laughs>